The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you're listening to episode 194 of the podcast, where you're joining us live on YouTube or Facebook. Today is Sunday, June 7th, and we are coming off of an awesome card of UFC 250 from the Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Before we get into that, I want to introduce the other folks on the line here. I am joined all the way from Columbus, Ohio, by the producer of MMA True Fan, uh, podcast docu series about MMA that we're definitely going to get into. Mr. Nate Evans, Nate, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, Bill. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing well, man. Doing real well. And uh, of course, my co-pilot, all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how you feeling on this Sunday morning, my friend? Little little change of time, change of scenery. Yeah, no, I'm all for it. I'm not totally awake yet, but let's do it. <laughs> well, hopefully the caffeine starts to kick in as we get going. Did you have yourself some some nice tea or something? Some some black tea? Yeah, yeah. I had some green tea to get started. So there you go. Nice jump start. I know you're not a coffee guy. Are you a coffee guy, Nate? I used to be, but I'm more of a more of a tea guy now. I drink a lot of iced tea for, for my caffeine fix. Oh, okay. Iced tea. Iced tea. Yeah, it's getting to be uh summertime, so iced tea's the way to go. You guys have a pretty brutal winter up there in Ohio. Well, I live in I live just just below the snow belt. Like like if you look at the weather in Ohio during the winter time, you, you can see like 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 a distinct line. Like up by Cleveland, it's brutal. Obviously, like Cleveland, Buffalo, New York, it's awful. But like Columbus is I don't know, a, a lot more mild. So kind of like Pittsburgh, Northern Virginia type climate. Like with the we are like the same, I don't know, would be latitude, I don't even know what it is now, as like D.C. area, like, like Maryland. So it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's not too bad, but we get snow. We didn't get any snow last year. I, I, I got my kid uh, sleigh riding stuff. My, my, my four-year-old, I bought him sleds, bought him snow pants, all this stuff. Didn't, didn't, didn't get any snow. So I don't know that's, if that's a good thing or bad thing. So. That's the way it goes as a parent, right? And then next, <laughs> then the next year they're grown out of it. So exactly. That's, that's exactly it. Like next year I got to buy him new snow pants. So <laughs> yeah. So you got to pass them down to the next kid or yeah. Or, yeah. Or was that I, the youngest that you bought it for? Uh, he, he's the older one. I, I, I have a two year old. So, so I just pass it down to him. So there you go. There you go. You got to be resourceful. Yeah. Any snow is too much snow for me. That's why I moved to Florida a couple of years ago. <laughs> <clears throat> um, so let's get into some MMA talk. It's it's awesome to have MMA to talk about, of course. Uh, UFC 250, headlined by the consensus greatest female fighter of all time, Amanda Nunez. Um, and, and it's it's getting to be even a hindrance for her because not even all the way through beating up Felicia Spencer for, for 25 minutes, uh, the, the broadcasting team is talking about who's she even going to fight next because she's right. cleared out two divisions. But um, let, let's give her credit for the actual performance. Uh, I'll start with you, Nate. Uh, what, what do you think about the Lioness last night? I mean, what what more is there to say? I mean, she just 
annihilated Spencer. I mean, gotta give Spencer a lot of credit. She showed a lot of toughness in there, but she she was she was finished from the first minute. I mean, Nunez is just. I mean, she's probably pound for pound best fighter in the world right now. And uh, you know, it's it's kind of crazy to say with guys like John Jones and and Khabib and others out there, but how do you say she isn't? I mean, she just annihilated Spencer. I mean, Toy dominated her from start to finish. Probably got two or three 10-8 rounds in there. I know the judges didn't see it that way, but I don't know. I mean, three, four, and five, I thought were all 10-8 rounds. I saw some people saying all five or 10-8. Mm, I don't know about that, but yeah. You know, there are some people who thought that 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 they, they should have thrown in the towel earlier. I don't know. I, I don't I don't know why it went to a fifth round, but I mean, hats off to both of them. Spencer did a great job. I mean, just staying in there. Yeah. But I mean, I, this like reminds me of those like GSP fights. I know we're talking about GSP, mm-hmm. but how GSP like annihilated Fitch, annihilated Hardy. And people were like, Hardy's doing such a good job hanging in there. Well, yeah, he's getting <laughs> devastated. He's getting trounced. And that's what we saw last night, I thought, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to give credit to the toughness of Felicia Spencer. I mean, she's gone the distance with two of the scariest women on the planet yeah. in uh, Nunez and Cyborg. But yeah, man, and Nunez looked like she was just really enjoying herself in there. She was she was laughing, and, yeah. and she said she knew from the first round that Felicia didn't have anything for her. And you, you could tell after the first round, after the first minute, like you said, Nate, that uh, who the better fighter was. And I, I was even saying I had a couple of buddies over last night, socially distancing, of course. We all sat six feet apart. Um, but it, somewhere in the second round, I said, we already know who the better fighter is. You know, it, even if – if Felicia Spencer had some kind of miracle comeback and catches Amanda, like she's going to be the champion, but we still already established who the better fighter is. Give me your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. Dude, uh, I agree with both of you. I thought there was a left hand in the first round, and you could just see all over Felicia Spencer's face that she did not enjoy it, uh, and she got hit hard. She didn't go down, but there was definitely some tells there that she got hit hard and she didn't like it. And at the end of this fight, man, uh, poor Felicia Spencer, she's got cuts under both eyes. Her nose is all swollen up. She's got this huge hematoma on her forehead. She didn't look like she'd been in a fight. She looked like she'd gotten hit by a car or something. Yeah, it was, yeah she it, did. it was pretty brutal. That that hematoma was pretty nasty. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess the the only thing left to talk about, and they got into it on the broadcast because they they were tired of, of talking about Felicia Spencer getting trounced. Uh, is what's next for the champ champ Amanda Nunez? I mean, she's cleared out two divisions. Um, it, Felicia Spencer, a lot of people thought wouldn't be a challenge for her, but she was the only contender available and and willing to step up. Um, it, you know, what do you do with this chick? I mean, not a, not a bad problem to have, but a problem nonetheless. So what do you think, Nate? Well, I mean, I saw Megan Anderson writing on, on Twitter, I think this morning, like, you know, look out for me. Don't, don't count me out. I mean, I think she's just chumming the water for, for, for Nunez. I mean, she's just going to get chewed up, but I, I don't know what she does next. I mean, she fights Anderson, blows her out of the water. I mean, does she go back down and, and fight? and invite uh Shevchenko I don't know I mean I think she's too big to go back down I mean she looked like a full 145 last night I mean she she looked like she was ready to get in there and and fight guys I mean Mm -hmm. I mean I know we're never going to see it it's probably not going to happen ever but I mean I think I think there there are some men in this in this sport that, that, that she could be for sure but I don't I don't I don't know who she fights I mean I don't know what else there is I mean 
do they do they bring Cyborg back and have her get beaten up again? I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just one of those things where it's a good problem to have. It's kind of like where John Jones was about, you know, a few years ago before he had the legal problems. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he beat he beat Cormier the second time. Then what? You know, then what happened? Well, his life went off the rails and now he's back and you know, he he has some stuff in front of him and you know, we'll see what happens with him and Dana, but I don't know what you do with Nunez. I really don't. Yeah. I mean, I think just for parody, you could get her back in there with Kat Zingano to uh, avenge her last loss. Uh, but Kat Zingano is so far removed from a title shot, it it would yeah. it, it wouldn't be much more than parody. And I, I know this has been your your hope to see Jeff. Um, but a- any other ideas that that we're not thinking of here? I don't know, dude. I mean, looking at the way Amanda Nunez has been lately, just dominating everybody. I don't know if Kat Zingano you know, fights the same Nunez she fought the first time. I don't think it goes the same way for Zingano either. So I don't know what you do here. Um, the best option would probably be, uh, like you said, Nate Shevchenko. Um, you know, Shevchenko has two losses against Nunez, but they've been close. She's never been out of it. So I don't know. I mean, uh, also, like Nate was saying, um, Nunez looked like, you know, 145 is a good place for her. Mm-hmm. Um, and just looking at her yesterday, it, I could see her struggling to make 135 again in the future. Yeah, for sure. I don't see why she would want to do that, uh, you know, unless there was some spectacular challenge waiting for her there. I like the Shevchenko fight, too, just because in the first fight, I feel like Shevchenko was just finding her stride in the third round. Uh, and then the second fight, I, I thought Shevchenko won the first time I watched it. It was a really close fight, uh, and I, I wouldn't mind watching it again. But, I again, I, I don't see Nunez wanting to go back down to 135. So uh, the only way to sum it up is it's, it's a problem, but not a bad problem to have. I mean, you have a, a fighter who's so dominant, there's nobody left to fight them. 32 years old baby on the way two belts around her waist she's on top of the world and uh you can't help but feel happy for her she seems like such such a bright personality um and just an awesome person and uh you know you gotta love to see success for somebody like that um somebody else who found success for the first time since 2016 was cody garbrandt in this co-main event uh cody garbrandt did not look like himself since he was knocked out by TJ Dillashaw the first time until four minutes and 59 seconds of the second round in this fight with Rafael Asuncao. Um, you know, he had his spots. He looked a lot faster than Asuncao, but he didn't have that same Cody Garbrandt swagger that we were used to, um, you know, popping and locking against Dominic Cruz, <laughs> winning the bantamweight title four years ago. Um, it, until he took that big duck under and landed that, overhand hook that that put a sunsau to the mat i've never seen anybody do that to Rafael sunsau because i don't think it's ever been done even even in the practice room anywhere um uh jeff i'll start with you this time give me your thoughts on the co-main event here dude i you know i was really excited to see cody garbrandt get back in the win column you know i'm a fan of his but at the same time, there, there were things that, you know, like you said, he just he didn't look like the guy who beat Dominic Cruz. I don't know if it's because of that um, back injury that's been bothering him the last couple of years. Um, you know, I heard that he was uh, working with a sports psychologist to kind of get his head right. Um, but something definitely clicked yesterday. So I was definitely happy to see him win. And, you know, that last sequence where he kind of ducked under um, the jab was – you know, really reminiscent of that 
fight with Dominic Cruz. So I was happy that we saw some glimpses of that Cody Garbrandt. And, you know, I've always been uh, someone who says that if Cody can fight the way he fought Dominic Cruz, I don't think he would have lost to TJ. I don't think he would have lost um, to TJ twice. So, you know, absolutely. I love seeing him a little bit more methodical. Uh, he was definitely not staying in one spot against the Sun Tzu. He wasn't uh, just keeping his head in the pocket. He was definitely showing some more head movement. His feints were really good. So, you know, I, I like that we're seeing him get back to that, you know, for me, I've always felt like you got to do what brought you to the dance. And for Cody Garbrandt, it definitely worked out yesterday. Not just a duck under. It was like a full body swing under that brought him into that hook. And hopefully, uh, you know, that was the knockout that gave him the confidence that he was lacking for the last four years or so because he just didn't look the same. Even in the beginning of this fight, if you looked in his eyes, uh, shout out to our buddy Henzo Altuna, who's tuning in from Peru. Um, uh, friend of the show, of course. Uh, Nate, I'll defer to you on this uh, co-main event. Here, give us your thoughts here. Well, I mean, I thought I, I thought he looked sharp, you know. Um, he, he, may, he may not have had that, that confidence in his eyes, but, I mean, his speed, his hands, his timing, his quickness was was all right spot on. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they, they're talking about his work with Mark Henry, and uh, I know uh, DC and Rogan were both talking about how Mark Henry's one, one of the top trainers in the world today. And Cody certainly looked like he had he had he put the work in. I mean, he looked sharp, he looked crisp, his footwork looked nice. Um, you know, he was a little, a little, a little gun shy at first against against the Sun. So a, a lot of people thought Garbrandt was going to lose that fight. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, it, from from looking on social media, like it was pretty well evenly split as far as what people thought who's going to win. And I thought I thought Cody dominated that fight start to finish. Um, mm-hmm. It seemed like the Sun South started to get his started to get his bearings a little bit, started to get that timing down, started to figure it out a little bit, and then all of a sudden, I mean, Cody just wasted him. I mean, yeah, I mean he, that that crouch down, torque corkscrew punch. You know, a lot of times you see someone throw one of those big haymakers, and it will like graze the top of the head and like kink the head a little bit, and you know, put him out that way. This mm-hmm. was like knuckles on the face, just obliterated him. I mean. Yeah. One one of the best one one of the best one punch knockouts you'll ever see, and and I'm sure we'll talk about another one punch knockout in a minute. But that one by Garbrandt was just unbelievable. I mean, left him face down, palms up, and then you see they got him back on the stool. Yeah, oh, he, yeah. He, he couldn't stay on the stool. They yeah, had to put him down. That's scary, you know. When someone when someone comes to then goes back out again, I mean, you're looking at a serious concussion there. Yeah, for sure. And unfortunately, I feel like a Sun Tzu is one of these guys that's never going to get the credit uh, he deserves, um, you, you know, if you look at this guy's resume, he's got a win over Jorge Masvidal. Here's a guy who fights at 135 pounds and Masvidal is fighting at 170 now. I mean, granted it was way earlier in their career, 15 years ago or so, or something off the top of my head. I'd have to check. Um, but, but the things that he's accomplished, um, will, will probably go unsung, um, at, at, at the end of his career, whenever sure. that may be, I think he's 37, 38 years old now. Um, he, you know, never realized that UFC title. Um, so unfortunate for him, but, uh, you know, good to see Cody Garbrandt, hopefully, you know, get that confidence back. He's going to be a problem in this division. Uh, and sticking with this division, another problem for a lot of people is going to be Aljamain Sterling, who made quick work of Corey Sanhagen. Um, I, I favored Aljo in this fight. Uh, but I saw it being a lot more competitive uh, when I first heard it announced. I was like, wow, this is going to be a great scrap. And Aljamain just climbed up 
Corey Sandhagen like a bear climbing up a tree and put him unconscious. Uh, Sandhagen was just like, I, I guess tapping while he was unconscious because when Sterling let go, uh, he was left out cold on the mat. Um, so Nate, let's start with you. Give me your thoughts on Aljo here. I mean, in a, in a night full of impressive performances, this one impressed me the most, how he just went in there. And like you said, he, he climbed up Sandhagen like, like, like a tree and took him right down, tapped him right out. Mm-hmm. And again, this is another one that was like a pick em fight for a lot of people. You know, I mean, you have, I think, what was it two and four? I think, I think Sterling was two, Sanhagen was four going into this fight. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, I know that, you know, Garbrandt's a bigger name, but I don't, I, I, I still don't know why this was a co-main over, why that was a co-main over this fight. But anyways, it doesn't, doesn't matter really now. Mm-hmm. But I mean, Sterling, people, people have a hard time with him. You know, I, I thought before that he should be the next one to fight Cejudo over Jan. But I mean, Jan deserves it too. You know, I don't know why Jan, who's, who's Jan going to fight next? Aldo, is that who it is? Yeah. And, and all respect the world to Aldo, but what's going on here? Why, why wasn't, why wasn't it Sterling? It should be Sterling fighting Jan. And I know, you know, it's going to happen down the road. You know, I mean, Sterling has to be next. I mean, Sterling has to be the, the, the first one to fight the winner of that fight. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, it's, it was, disappointing for, for, for Cejudo to walk away and people, people want to say he's the best ever. I mean, I don't think so because he had two people sitting in front of him that he should have fought and beat. And I don't think he could beat either one of them, be honest with you. Like, yeah. I, 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 think, I think both Jan and Sterling both beat him, but that's yeah. just my opinion. You know, it, it means nothing more than anyone else's, but I mean, Sterling, I mean, what else can you say? I mean, he, he, he disposed of him and I, I don't even know what, what, what was the time on that? Probably two minutes last night. And I mean, to, I mean, yeah. totally minute 28. Yeah. A minute 28. He, he, he submitted Sanhagen who was on a seven fight win streak. Yeah. I think he had three or four submissions in his last seven fights and never I been mean, finished, never been finished. Yeah. Never, never been finished. Finish him in, in under 90 seconds. Yeah. So yeah. I really mean, impressive. so, you know, like I'm sure, you know, Sarah and Longo and Henzo and all the boys in the, in uh, New York and Long Island are really happy about it. And they should be because he was amazing last night. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, big fan of Ray Longo, f- friend of the show as well. Um, uh, I've, I've been up there to their facility and they, they just have like, they're, they're a family up there and it's, it's awesome to when, when their guys win, they're all genuinely happy for each other. And you got to love to see that because I've been around a lot of gyms and, and it's a rare vibe. Um, so Jeff, uh, give me your thoughts on Aljamain Sterling here and, uh, you know, what do you think lies ahead? I think, I think Nate pretty much uh, nailed it on the head for, for the, the landscape of the division here, but give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, I think you have to give it to Aljo next. And, you know, Bill, I'll always root for these Henzo Gracie guys. You know, we're Henzo Gracie guys. But, man, you know, he made Corey Sandhagen look like a chump in there, dude. Like, <laughs> if you've never seen Corey Sandhagen fight before and you're basing your opinion on him off this fight, just just hold it. Just go back and watch some of his fights. You know, this guy is for real. And, you know, for Aljamain Sterling to do what he did, just, you know, I, I think that's a huge feather in anybody's cap, especially in this band and weight division where things are kind of uncertain at the top. I think Aljo made a huge statement last night and he looks great doing it. I mean, 
he dominated Corey Sandhagen. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of guys do that to him. This is Corey Sandhagen's second loss as a professional. Like you said, never been finished before. All, coming off a seven-fight win streak where he beat um, Rafael Asuncao, John Lineker, who neither of those guys is a pushover by any means. So, mm-hmm. you know, Corey Sandhagen's for real. And, you know, Aljo, just he just made a, an exclamation point in this bandweight division. Yeah, and I think Aljo, he said it himself. He learned a big lesson in the in the Marlon Marais fight. You know, he's he's like, I've already experienced the worst thing that could happen in there. It, you know, why not take more risks? I, I know what it's like to get knocked out cold. Um, and, you know, I think that's a great attitude, and I, I think that comes, you know, from the camp that he's training with. And then you still have Marlon Marais around. You got TJ Dillashaw coming back. Uh, probably the worst time Cejudo could have picked to uh, to take his ball and run away. Uh, because we're looking at possibly the most exciting time ever for this bantamweight division. It's got new life breathed back into it, especially with Cody Garbrandt back. Um, you know, we got a lot of interesting matchups we could make. You you have, you know, three or four guys you could argue are deserving of the of fighting for this vacant title, uh, and that's a fun thing. Uh, Neil Magny um, broke his his three way tie for the second most wins in the welterweight division last night um, with a unanimous decision over Anthony Rocco Martin. Uh, so now he has the second most wins in that division behind GSP, a name I feel like we're going to be bringing up a couple of times on this podcast, even though, uh, you know, GSP hasn't been active lately, but it's going to be relevant. You guys will see. Uh, Jeff, I'll start with you on this one. Um, if this was a close fight, I feel like Magny ran away with it in that third round. Uh, you know, he just put that Magny pace, uh, that that third round Magny pace that he's famous for, and, and kind of ran away with it. One judge gave it thirty twenty seven. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I thought it was, you know, maybe Martin won that first round. But uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Bill, I'll be honest with you. I saw to me it looked like Rocco Martin was breathing a little bit heavier after that first round, um, and after that second round, it felt like he was kind of out of it in the third round. You know, breathing heavy, not really fighting off the takedown attempts or the wrestling of Neil Magny. So, you know, for me, I thought it went the right way. Um, I wasn't too upset about it, but you know, um, credit to both of these guys. Uh, Neil Magny's a really tough dude. He's really durable in there. Uh, I think he's former military, if I'm not mistaken. So that's a tough guy, man. And he's not somebody who's going to get tired. Um, so good for Neil Magny. I would just like to see him uh, tr- kind of try to crack somebody in the top 10 now. Uh, I think he's at that level where um, he's racked up enough wins. And now it's time to see how he does against one of the top guys, especially in this welterweight division that is pretty uncertain. You know, we don't know who Kamaru Usman is going to fight next. So I'd like some Somebody to, you know, kind of make an exclamation point, kind of like Aljo did for the bandweight division last night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if you look at his losses in in recent memory, uh, two years ago the loss to Ponzinibbio, uh, and then RDA Lorenz Larkin, who's very largely underrated, and then Damian Maya, um, and those are four losses over a five year span, but they are each like setbacks at at just the right time for Magny that, that didn't let him keep climbing that ladder, unfortunately. Um, so Nate, where are you at with Neil Magny? What'd you think of his performance? 
I like I like Neil Magny a lot. Like I thought it was a good fight. I thought it was a close fight, obviously, and um, I agree that I that I, I thought Martin won that first round. But I but I thought Magny won won the won the second too. You could even mm-hmm. call that that last round a ten eight for him, in my opinion, because he down. I mean, he, he, even 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 though he didn't almost finish him, I mean, he dominated it from start to finish, and he you know mm-hmm. he, he kept that pressure on him. Magny's like this guy who, if like he could just get to the point where he's doing five round fights. He's probably going to win every five round decision against most like, you know, five through 10 ranked guys because he because of his conditioning, because of his pressure. Mm-hmm. Once he gets the, the, the rounds three, four, five, you know, he just kicks it in overdrive. But problem is like he's, you know, sometimes down 0-2 going into the third round. And that's kind of what was possibly happening last night, even though I thought he won that second round fairly. Um but you know, it was, it was a good, it was a really good win for him. You know, he came back with that that win in March. It was it March, I think it was against uh, Lee. No, maybe not March. Uh, Lee Jingling. I, I uh, yeah, but it, the, everything kind of blends together with. The, I know he he had that that bad loss to Ponzinibbio, and you know Ponzinibbio, I think is grossly underrated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's that that's a guy that I want to see get back in that division. Um, but you know, he had that fight with Ponzinibbio where, where, where he was like holding his, holding his eye and Ponzinibbio was just teeing off on him. And personally, I, I thought that fight should have been stopped earlier, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. it, it, was, it was a great win for him. I, I'm curious to see where he goes from here. Like I, you know, like I, you know, I, uh, I agree with Jeff that, you know, he should be fighting a top 10 guy next. I, I'm, I, I do want to see him fight someone, you know, five through 10 somewhere. I mean, I, you know, I want, I want to, I want to see where, where, where he goes from here because, 170 is pretty heavy at the top, but you know, mm-hmm. th- there's some room in there, th- uh, five through 10 for him to fit in, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would love to see him, you know, get a single digit number next to his name in the near future. Um, so the, uh, the first fight on the main card, um, delivered exactly what the UFC was hoping for. I think, uh, Sean O'Malley did to Eddie Wineland, what Eddie Wineland was brought in to get done to him. Uh, get knocked out in spectacular fashion. Uh, now there was always the chance that Eddie Wineland could catch O'Malley and and knock him out, but you know that's a win win for the UFC. But I I think that what they were hoping for, judging by the um, the pre scripted tweets that were released at the end of this fight, um, was a was a spectacular finish from Sean O'Malley, and that's what we got. Uh, he fainted with that uppercut and then landed a right straight with the same hand, never took his eyes off the target, just laser like, uh, accuracy and, and crazy power for a guy who's has such a lanky build in this division. I'll start with you, Nate. Give me thoughts on the sugar show here. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's exactly what the UFC wanted to happen. It's exactly what most people wanted to happen and thought was going to happen. I mean, he went in there and, you know, just flatlined him. And, uh, you know, I, I want to see Sean O'Malley go in there and fight some real competition. And, you know, I I don't want to say that Wyland wasn't real competition, but, you know, what was uh, he like a uh, O'Malley was was, was like a minus 500 going into that. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, it almost feels like he's like this Michael Venom page of the UFC where they just keep feeding him, you know, fodder to just keep getting these wins and highlight reels and stuff. He needs to go out there and fight somebody. I mean, he needs yeah. to get. He he needs to fight a top ten guy that's going to push it. That's going to push the pace on him. That's going to make him work. And I just don't see it yet. I mean, you know, like I know he was out for a while because he had the no, suspension. I think it was. I don't know if it was uh, a dr- drug suspension. I can't remember exactly what it was. I don't want to label him as anything. But um, but I mean, 
he, you know, he's a great fighter, a lot of potential. He has he has the world in the palm of his hand, but he has to go out and fight somebody now. Like, what's going on? Like, you know, he he, he needs a big fight against a big time competitor to see to see where he is as a fighter. Yeah, it's a tough thing, right? Because he has this huge larger than life personality and he's already a draw, but at the same time you don't want to feed him to the wolves right away. Um it, because then you you lose all that all that pop he's got behind him. Um uh, but you know, he's been in there with some tough guys, Sukum Todd and Quinones. Um yeah. you know, those are those are solid competitors. I mean, Wineland is a guy who you know, he's going to knock you out or he's going to get knocked out at this point in his career. Um, and, and that's kind of what we saw from him. Um, but, you know, he got that highlight reel that the UFC was hoping for. Uh, everybody's wanting to fight this guy, but you can't put him in there with like a, a, like a Marab who's, who's going to maul him for three rounds and just keep taking him down relentlessly and is not going to get baited into like a, like a slug fest. Um, so yeah, I'd be curious to see what's next for him. I have a feeling they're going to try and make a, a very calculated move. I like the Michael Venom page analogy as well. Uh, give me your thoughts on the sugar show here. Yeah, Bill, I agree with Nate a hundred percent. I, you know, um, Eddie Wyland is definitely dangerous and that's what I would have told you in 2015, Bill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, that's so that's, true, right? Perfect. Like, dude, I love Eddie Wildland. I He's one of my favorite band weights. He's got knockout power. Uh, shout out to Alexander Al greeting us from Fort Lee, New Jersey. Um, but, dude, uh, it, you know, he should have retired in 2015, man. Uh, I love Eddie Wildland. He's, he's got the knockout power. Definitely one of the hardest hitters in the band and weight division. But, again, all of this is what I was thinking five years ago. Um, you know, he's definitely a feeder to to Sugar uh, um, Sean O'Malley here, which I hate saying because I love Eddie Wyland. But, dude, um, I I'm with Nate on this one. I feel like if you give him somebody in, in the top of this division, one of these, you know, grapple-heavy guys who have made their careers off of wrestling and jiu-jitsu, I think O'Malley definitely struggles. I don't see him, you know, beating one of the top five guys yet. But I also like what they're doing. Uh, you know, a great comparison to Michael Venom Page. Uh, I, I like that they're doing that because when they, you know, it failed before when they did it with Sage Northcutt and, you know, they kind of threw him to the Wolves a little too early. And, you know, Sage mm -hmm. Northcutt, so much potential. Um, you know, everybody thought he was going to be a future UFC champion. Uh, so I think that they don't want to i think that the ufc doesn't want to repeat those mistakes with sean o'malley and you can't totally blame them for that uh you know like you said o'malley's definitely got that it factor you know he's got the crazy hair he's got a cool attitude he seems like somebody you'd want to hang out with um definitely has some star power so i think that they're really really wading him into these bantamweight waters here yeah yeah for sure um, and especially because you have like such an exciting landscape right now, like we were talking about earlier. Um, so yeah, bummer for Eddie Wineland. I, I've, I've always been a fan of his as well. He's always been an exciting fighter. Um, you know, one of those guys that could, that has that rare punching power at the lower weight classes, but, um, you, you know, just ran into, um, the wrong kid at the wrong time. All right. Uh, so Another one that uh, didn't go the way the UFC was hoping uh, is uh, the anti O'Malley <laughs> that uh, <laughs> they're trying to build up here. Uh, Chase Hooper. Uh, it, they're like, uh, 
you know, the good and evil version of the same guy. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Hooper's like this, this young, innocent kid, 20 years old, killing it on the local circuits, uh, looked impressive on the contender series. They had to bring him in. Uh, you know, one is UFC debut. Uh, all right. Who's a guy we could give him that has some name recognition and, you know, has the ability to get submitted Alex Caceres. Let's put him in there with him and, um, you know, hope he gets that submission. I I'm speculating here purely, but, um, that's not the way it went. He got pieced up by Alex Caceres for 15 minutes and, uh, you know, resorted to pulling guard, which really irks me. Uh, as a wrestler, I cannot stand people pulling guard, even in jujitsu, forget about in MMA. Um, it's just not like, if you want the fight on the mat, like learn to get the fight to the mat. Um, uh, but I, I like chase Hooper. I do. I, I wanted to see, I want to see the kid do well. Cause he seems like, seems like a really good kid, even though he, he has fought one of my teammates, um, in the, uh, in one of the local shows, but, um, yeah, Nate, I know you didn't have a chance to to catch all the prelims, but I, I know you, you probably know the results. And um, uh, just just give me your thoughts here on, on Chase Hooper and uh, Alex Caceres uh, with an impressive victory over a kid that he was brought in to lose to, essentially. Well, I mean, that's one of the beauties of the sport. You know, you, I mean, you never know what's going to happen. You have this guy, Caceres, looks like he's being, you know, let in like like you said to get beat he's like he's like lamb being led to the slaughter and mm-hmm. uh, you know i i didn't get to watch it last time i'm gonna watch it today because i had uh, some some company over last night and uh but i uh plan to watch it today but i mean it just shows like anything can happen in a fight and it's one of the, one of the reasons why we love this sport you know like anything can happen on, on on any given night and part of it is you know who's who's getting up for the fight in that moment like you know it, it doesn't matter you know, kind of like something like I talked to the St. Pierre about a while ago is if, if, if they fight 10 times, it, it it might be a different result each time. But what happens in that moment and that fight and that night? And, you know, anything can happen on, on, on any given night, like I said. So, I mean, to, to see this happen, surprising, but, you know, not the most surprising thing in the world because crazier things have happened in the sport. Oh, for sure. And then it kind of showed the level of Chase Hooper is at. like his, his striking is, you know, he's got good fundamentals, but as far as getting in there with a creative striker that he, he can't get to the ground and, and even in pulling guard, he could, can't really do anything with it. Um, he, you know, maybe it was too much too soon for, for this young stud. Uh, I think he's got a bright future, uh, probably took a lot more damage than he needed to in this fight. Um, uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, you know, uh, I kind of thought Chase Hooper would would run away with this one just because, you know, Alex Caceres, he's kind of been the fall guy, for lack of a better term, in this division. Uh, he, You know, he hasn't had too much good luck lately, but he's still a tough dude. And like you said, Bill, um, you know, Chase Hooper, he just couldn't figure out Caceres' game plan. He couldn't get his timing right. So, you know, Chase Hooper still has a long way to go. But like you said, uh, definitely a bright star in this featherweight division. I, th- I think he's going to do great things once he gets a little bit more experience under his belt. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Bill, I always laugh when you say that he's like the the antithesis to, uh, to Sean O'Malley <laughs> because if you look at pictures of them next to each other, it's like it's like that video game character and then you can pick like a different uh, outfit for him. <laughs> 
I saw a great meme. It was said like before and after trying meth. <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah, it's great. That was a great one. I I wish I remember who who made it. I like to I like to give credit for a good meme. Um, but uh, let's move on here. Um, Ian Heinish picking up some more momentum uh, in this middleweight division with a, a first round TKO over Gerald Mearshart. Uh, it, it was the, the classic wrestler finish here where, where they change levels and then come over the top with an overhand, right? Um, it, you know, it, it, it's, it's textbook old school wrestler striking. Um, and, and it worked on, on Mearshart, who's very technically sound on the feet. Um, you, you know, no more for his grappling, but, you know, training with Duke Rufus, obviously he's got a good striking background, but Heinish, um, you know, did an awesome job. He was in control of this fight, uh, from the start. Uh, you could tell he was the stronger man in there. Um, and, and you guys listening all know I'm a big fan of Gerald Mearshart. I've been high on him, uh, since his UFC debut, real veteran. Um, but Heinish looking good in there, man. Uh, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, I, I can't, I don't have too much to tell you. I mean, Ian Heinish just went in there and whooped ass dude mm -hmm. um just from the first bell you know he he was going for the finish which i love to see um and ian hanish dude he just looks like a comic book superhero like the dude looks like he's chiseled out of stone yeah. uh, listen he he's definitely someone to watch out for in this middleweight division as is gerald mearshart but dude ian hanish just went in there with the right and the left and you know he it was like watching Francis Ngannou um, against uh, what was his last fight? Um, Frozen Strike. Frozen yeah, against Frozen Strike. Thank you. Um, th that that's what it reminded me of, man. Uh, but good for Ian Hainish, dude. He's an exciting fighter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. Uh, Nate, any any thoughts on this one? You know, it's another one that I that I that I heard about, but I haven't seen. But I mean, like, I mean, like, I mean, Hainish is a great fighter. You know, I mean. To, to to hear him do that level change overhand right, I mean, that's something that, you know, classic wrestling technique, you know, like Couture pioneered that like 20 years ago, you know, when he, like first time he beat Liddell was just at that, that level change overhand right because mm -hmm. you think he's going to do this and he does that and, you know, and he, you know, made it work. He, you know, got the big win with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Chad Mendez was a, was an expert at that. Another one that, well. yeah, yeah, very good at that. He and he would mix it up too. He would go from the level change and fake to right and come with a hook and like he he mixed it up a little bit. But yeah, um, yeah that 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 was a classic move from Ian Heinish. Uh, definitely the most emotionally charged fight of the night. Um, uh, it, it's hard to even talk about. Cody Stamen tragically lost his brother Jacob a week ago, eighteen years old. Uh, there's not a lot of people in Cody Stamen's shoes who are even getting in the cage after something like that happens. Um, th the only thing I can think of that's comparable is when Ronnie Yaya fought, fought um, I think it was two weeks after his mother passed away. Um, it, you know, and fighters are, are emotional people. Most of them, um, you know, they, they thrive on emotions and they can be crippled by emotions. Um, but most people, uh, are not going to be able to get in the cage. Nonetheless, put on a spectacular performance against a tough competitor like Brian Kelleher and, uh, Cody Stamen, I thought looked phenomenal in there. Um, you know, moving up a weight class and, and dealing with that, that heavy burden on his heart, uh, losing his little brother. Um, 
man, just broke down at the end of the fight. Uh, you know, Joe Rogan started to, started to tear up, uh, in the post fight, just, um, so much emotion. And, and, you know, even if you're a big fan of Brian Keller, uh, how do you not root for, for Cody Stamen here in this situation? Um, Jeff, give me your thoughts here. Bill, huge credit to Cody Stamen here. Um, just being able to hold it together until the end of that fight. And, you know, looking so composed and calculated in there. He was very methodical. Um, he fought very smart against Brian Kelleher. He looked great at 145. Um, but, yeah, dude, you know, you just by watching his fight, you wouldn't, you know, suspect that he had gone through such a big tragedy in his life because he was able to to maintain that composure and that focus. So huge credit to Cody Stamen. You know, Brian Kelleher didn't make it easy for him either. You know, he looked really good in there too. Um, but once Stamen figured out his timing and and got his distance right, uh, he was able to to uh, grind out that fight. So you know, good on both of these guys. And you know, uh, you know, we send our condolences to Cody Stamen and his family, of course. Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, uh, Jacob Stamen uh, on the minds of, of everybody in the wake of uh, UFC 250. And and uh, now Cody Stamen will be able to uh, go home and, and mourn his brother, who was his biggest fan. And he was the, the reason that, you know, he decided to get in the cage and, and win it for him. And, you know, you got to be happy for him. He was able to get in there and do that. Um, Nate, I know you didn't catch the fight, but I'm sure you heard about it and you know about all the circumstances surrounding it. So just give me your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, very, very emotional, you know, uh, horrible situation. Um, you know, hopefully, hopefully Cody gets to be able to go through the, the, the proper grieving process now. Good for him on a big win. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, like I heard it was a very, very, very hard interview for for both both Stamen and Rogan afterward. Mm -hmm. um, you know, best wishes to him in the future. You know, so, something that's kind of interesting about you know, this kind of situation is that it can, it can really impact the grieving process because, because you're, you're, you naturally want to go one way, but you have to go the other, you know, like when, um, when I spoke with Kevin Randleman's sister, uh, prior to Randleman's fight with Fedor and pride, his father died two weeks before the Fedor fight. And his sister mm -hmm. said how that, that he never, Kevin really never really got to grieve properly because of it, because he was so laser focused on Fedor. And of course that was the fight where, where he slammed Fedor on his head and is well known for that. But, you know, he never really got to go through that proper mm -hmm. process because of it, because then his, you know, then he's off doing something else afterward, you know? But so, I mean, it's hope, hopefully he gets to, hope, hopefully Cody Stammen and his family get to go through the, the, the full process for the, for themselves for the, for the long term. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and Stamen said he wants to go back to 135 where he only has one loss. And that was the knee bar loss to uh, Aljamain uh, Sterling, which, you know, obviously no shame in losing to that guy. Um, so bright future for him. Uh, it really speaks to, um, you know, the psychology of fighting. Like, you know, these guys have to go out and do something on a public platform that's really hard to do. And, you know, they have personal lives and, and things that happen in their personal lives. And sometimes they're publicized. Sometimes they're not. Um, sometimes we find out after the fact, um, you know, it, it's something that just really plays into the psychology of it all. And, and something that's, you know, tragic and fascinating at the same time. Uh, I want to put a bow on this card. So I'm going to quickly go over the last four fights and uh, I'll let you guys tell me uh, which which fighter out of these four impressed you the most? Mackie Patolo getting the second round TKO over Charles Bird. Um, it, 
just a phenomenal combination and then took him down and, and pounded him out. Alex Perez getting a TKO over Jose Formiga with leg kicks, just that low calf kick Formiga couldn't stand anymore. So uh, Keith Peterson had to step in uh, four minutes into the first round. Devin Clark weathered the storm against Alonzo Menafield, who hit him with some big shots, probably fractured his orbital uh, on his left eye. But Devin Clark uh, just stayed tenacious, stayed on top of him, pressured him uh, for three rounds, came away with the unanimous decision. And then you would think that Aljo's minute 28 submission over um, Cody Sanhagen was the quickest on the car, but it wasn't. Herbert Burns, minute 20 seconds, uh, submits Evan Dunham with a rear naked choke. Uh, no easy task there submitting at Evan Dunham, um, nevertheless in a minute and 20 seconds. Um, Nate, I'll start with you without having seen the fights, just hearing the results, who, who impresses you the most here? Well, I mean, to, to, to hear that Dunham got, got, got submitted in the fastest one of the night. I mean, like it's, you know, most impressive, you know, um, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see, to see what happens with, uh, with all these guys going forward. You know, I mean, all impressive finishes, all, all impressive performances. I'm just, I'm just really curious to, to, to see, see where they all go next. For sure. Jeff, what do you got? Bill, for me, the most impressive out of those three fights was, uh, for me, it was Alex Perez able to beat, uh, Juicier Formiga, who's a very tough uh, competitor in the flyweight division, able to beat him with leg kicks, Bill. And the last one kind of just grazed his patella with the toes. It, it, you know, it looked like it didn't even fully make contact. And you just saw Formiga just fall back. You know, he couldn't put weight on that leg anymore. So for me, that was the most impressive uh, on the undercard. I'll tell you what will impress me the most is if Mackie Patolo survives when he gets home to his wife, because in his post-fight interview, he says, shout out to my wife. I love you, baby. Happy birthday. She turns. Uh, shout out to my kids. <laughs> so he, he either one forgot how old his wife is and is, and is probably going to catch some hands when he gets back home to Hawaii or he realized he shouldn't say his wife's age. <laughs> That's interesting. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> he should have just left it at happy birthday and it would have been fine. But um, otherwise, you know, he kind of, he kind of put his foot in his mouth there. Um, so that was a, that was a really funny moment for me, but I thought he looked impressive against Charles bird too. just lit him up. Um, so I'll, I'll go with that just for something different. But uh, every one of these fights uh, was awesome. So if you guys out there listening missed the, the prelims, you got nothing to do on a on a dreary Sunday like it is here in Florida. It's been raining all day, raining all weekend, actually. Uh, then, then go back on your ESPN Plus app and check out these fights. All right, that's it for UFC 250. Um, a lot more to to digest there than I anticipated, but, uh, we have some things to talk about with you, Mr. Evans. Um, so the, the founder and producer of the MMA true fan podcast. Um, and now I have told you privately that I personally am usually not a fan of podcasts that are kind of produced and, and have music to them and are, are kind of like a storytelling model. I love this show. Uh, I, I, I I listened to, um, the, the first one I listened to, so was the, uh, the Kevin Randleman episode. And, but before I get too far into it, since you're the creator of the show, why don't you tell us, uh, you know, what it's all about before I kind of give my take on it? 
Well, true fan is really for, just like the name says, it's for the truest fans of the sport who want to know more about these people than you can get in a post-fight interview or, or something, you know, uh, surface level. You know, we, we do a deep dive into their lives. We talk to people who know them, talk to past opponents, training partners, coaches, and try to do a full in-depth biography on their life and career. Mm -hmm. And we, we talk to these people, we do, we do, we do, we do interviews with all of them. We take clips out and put them in the documentary. So when we're talking about Kevin Randleman's, uh, you know, college career as a wrestler, we, we talked to his wrestling coach. We talked to Mark Coleman, who was one of his wrestling coaches at the time. So you hear it from people with firsthand knowledge, which I, which, which I feel gives it more, um, makes it, makes it more interesting, I guess for lack of a better term than just me saying it, because I can go and do all the research in the world, but these people have stories and information that have never been told. So we're trying to uncover those stories, trying to get those stories out there and, and, and pay tribute to these people as well. Yeah, for sure. And, and you guys definitely do an awesome job with that. Um, you, you know, I, I tuned into that Randleman episode first and I, I was hooked from start to finish. And there was information in there that I never knew. And I, I'm a huge Kevin Randleman fan. I thought I knew, you know, so much about him. And I, I know a lot about MMA and, and people get a lot of that background knowledge from me here on MMA on the rocks. But what I do is more like the drunken history version <laughs> of MMA. It's awesome. Uh, <laughs> I love your show, by the way. I do. I love the show. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, but but what you guys do is very different and, and in a good way. You guys are actually bringing like real information. <laughs> Whereas I'm like, yeah, I think Kevin Randleman like one time like body slammed a guy off the Empire State Building. <laughs> that probably happened. Uh, <laughs> you guys are actually talking. To <laughs> yeah, that's true. Let's just say it's true. <laughs> it's on the internet now, so it's true. Right, Somebody's right. going to take that and run with it, and there's going to sure. be a, there's going to be some clickbait blog about it tomorrow. Um, but but what you guys do is so impressive. Where you actually you know aggregate all this information from people who actually knew him and interacted with him and and randleman had to be one of the more difficult ones i assume since he's one of the only ones i believe that's no longer living that you've done that's so correct. far that's correct. Um, yeah am i right with that was that yeah. was that a bigger challenge to to kind of put that all together it was well it was it was the first one um you know i i i met randleman at, at a show in uh Atlantic City in 2001. I think it was the night that, that, that Tito fought Tanner, UFC 28 or 29, something like that. And okay. such a nice guy, just a super person, you know, and uh, talked to him for probably 15 minutes or so. And, you know, and you know, when you talk to somebody, if if they're really interested in you and what you have to say, and he was, you know, he, you know, looked you in the eye and shook your hand and talked to you like you're his friend. And, and so when we started doing this, this series, you know, we, we talked about people, who, who do we want to focus on? And the first one was Randleman. There's no question about it. And, you know, for that reason, because my, 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 my uh, co-creator, Rich Donahue and I, we, we, we both met him that night. We're both huge fans of his. And, you know, we want to pay tribute to him. And, uh, you know, he was not in the Hall of Fame at the time. He's, he's been since, since uh, it, it's been announced he's, he's going to be inducted. But back mm -hmm. then it's like, we just didn't think he's getting his proper due. You know, we thought he was a Hall of Famer then. He's a Hall of Famer now. And, you know, people need to understand more about these people. And uh, and that kind of developed the whole concept for the series. Well, 
you know, we need to know more about him. We need to know more about, you know, these other people like, you know, Rodrigo Nogueira, who I think is one of the greatest fighters of all time and isn't often mentioned in that conversation. And mm -hmm. so, you know, he's one of these people who not necessarily Nogueira, but Randleman kind of seemingly slipping through the cracks in a way. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we wanted to celebrate their legacy, celebrate their careers. And it, it was harder talking about him with people because of, of the raw emotion. You know, the fact that okay. he passed, he passed so tragically at a young age of pneumonia, which is on what seems like something that people can often recover from. Yeah. And how can someone who is such a super athlete, such a super person, pass away from something like that? And uh, so that kind of launched the idea for the whole series. And you know, once we started talking to these people, then, you know, we started talking to them about, about themselves, like Coleman and Boss and Couture, and it kind of snowballed from there, but it really wasn't with that intention. It was just, let's, let's do good work on Randleman and see where it goes from there. And it's, it's just progress, I guess, you know? Yeah. Uh, you, you kind of, um, you kind of answered another question I had for you. And that would be, uh, because just going down the list, uh, I, I guess you, do you separate this by seasons or you just release them uh periodically or whenever you have the time or or you know what's the what's the release schedule like well the the, the first eight we did were done as a season and they were done weekly last year uh randleman ken shamrock couture noguera boss severn coleman vandalay silva and we we release them week by week mm -hmm. and but then it's it's kind of turning into well we had this big gap where, where we, we released Silva last in October, Vanley Silva last in October, and then here we are, you know, seven months later because we've been we've been making them, we've been mm -hmm. working on making them, I should say, and here we are, you know, releasing Saint Pierre tomorrow. But you know, so we we've moved away from the weekly seasonal format, and now we're going to start releasing them every other month, so, okay. so we can so we can stay ahead of them and keep making them, and so, so we're not falling behind. So we're going to release St. Pierre tomorrow, Hoist Gracie in August, and then Don Fry in October and so on from there. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I'm happy to hear some of those names coming up. And, and I did have a chance to, to hear the GSP episode. I got, got the uh, advanced preview, my, uh, my journalistic uh, privilege coming in there, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I appreciate you sending that through. It was awesome. It was, it was longer than, than the other ones and yeah. it didn't feel like it. It just kind of blew right by. Um, but what I was getting at with, um, with my question was, um, and you kind of already addressed it. Are, are there any of these that are more sentimental to you? Uh, you know, I know you're an Ohio guy, so obviously you started off with Randleman and, and Coleman in the first season, but, uh, you know, which, which one of these episodes has meant the most so far? You know, it's, it's hard to say because they're, they're also special in different ways. And like my favorite fighter of all time was, and still is Couture or uh, Randy Couture. So that was important to me. Like I, I, I would say the random one is probably still the most poignant and sentimental because, because of, you know, his tragic passing and because he's, uh, you know, a super individual and to, and also people were very forthcoming about him. Not that they weren't in other episodes, but people really genuinely liked Kevin Randleman and, mm -hmm. and that, and that he's passed, they, they, they want to, make sure you don't forget about them. So they're very forthcoming with information and stories. And we did this, we did that. Like, like, like the story about his jaw, how, how, how his jaw went out and then and how he slammed it off the mat at the, at a, the, the NCAA finals to knock yeah. it back into place. That's crazy. You know, yeah. 
And I mean, like, you know, I did all the research I could, you know, I, I read for months on it. And, you know, to, to hear Russ Hellickson tell that story just gives me chills still even thinking about it. But, you know, I was always a big fan of St. Pierre. I, 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 I remember his first fight against Carl Parisian in the UFC. I, I said then, you know, like, like that guy's going to be a star. That guy's going to be great. One of those guys mm-hmm. I never rooted against, you know. And um, it's very interesting w- when you get to talk to these guys because someone like St. Pierre is very nice and very polite and a very good person mm-hmm. while at the same time um, in control of, of the situation. Whereas, like, he was very polite and uh, just w- one of the nicest people that I've spoken with on this show, period, by a mm-hmm. long shot. But also... N- n- not a pushover by any means, you know, it's just like, you know, like, you know, this is like, this is like the time I have available because I have, you know, cause, cause also like, he's like talking to me and then he's going to talk to ESPN like right after that. You know what I mean? So it's like, wow. you know, I can't be like or, or ESPN or some other big, you know, outlet. So I can't be like, you know, holding him off for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but, but, uh, you know, he, he's very nice and very kind and everything, but at the same time, like he's, not someone to, that that's going to let anyone push him around because you know he is he is who he is you know and you get the same thing when you hear people who know him talk about him like Carl Massaro one of his training partners Carl's a is a Henzo Gracie black belt mm-hmm. um he's one of George's longtime training partners knows him as well as anybody and says how you know George would never go past his red line how, how George would he would train this you train this x amount and this is what he had set is regimented and this is what it's going to be and if someone wanted to train you know like let's go an extra round or whatever he'd be very polite but like no no i'm not doing that you know yeah and he he drew a line in the sand in that way you know and i kind of felt that a little bit in the interview whereas you know he's very forthcoming just great but at the same time he's in control and he's not gonna let anyone you know dictate to him or push him around that way and i i find that very interesting i find it very um very commendable, you know? Yeah. It, I mean, it speaks to his success. Um, you, you know, the level of discipline that he had, uh, he, he did something that I personally feel like should be impossible in that he became one of the best wrestlers in MMA without a wrestling background. Um, you, you know, striking and some of these other things, jujitsu, uh, you can learn, but I feel like wrestling is something that if you don't start it at a young age and, and develop like, you know, a certain tendon strength or, or whatever the scientific explanation is for it. it it's just never going to come. Um, right. you, you know, you could show somebody a takedown and they could practice it a thousand times. Uh, but if you put them in there against somebody who'd been doing this since they were four years old, um, you, you know, it's just not going to, it's just not going to work out. Um, and, and that's the way it goes. 99.99% of the time, unless you're George St. Pierre <laughs> who can learn a skill like that, um, that usually should take a lifetime. And he, he managed to learn it and apply it and become one of the best people at it. Um, but yeah, I liked how you mentioned that. And I, I'm glad you brought up the, the Randleman story about him slamming his face on the mat, because I knew that story about him, you know, wrestling in the NCAA championships with a broken jaw. I didn't know that he broke it and then slammed his head on the mat to pop it back into place. That was an awesome detail. And I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want to give any spoilers for your show, but that was okay. (laughs) Thank you though. Um, But since you brought it up, um, I'll, uh, 
uh, I'll say that was that was something that blew my mind. And, and, you know, the rest of the episode, it was half nostalgia and half, oh, shit, I didn't know that happened. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and I thought I knew these stories pretty well. So that that's really the awesome the awesome thing about the the true fan show. And, and uh, Jeff, it looks like you got a, a question like right on the tip of your tongue there. Yeah. Neat. Uh, so I, I've listened to a couple of the episodes, you know, I haven't finished the GSP one yet um, just because I didn't have too much time, but um, you know, a lot of production value goes into these. And I just wondered like, how long does it take you to get all these interviews together and, and be able to acquire all this knowledge basically, you know, from primary sources. Well, it's, I mean, it's a very, very, very long and tedious process. Um, it, it's one of those things where like, for, for example, like, like these episodes, like uh, when, when, we're, when we're getting these interviews and I'm calling these people and trying to set up times and you have to be so flexible because a lot of times, you know, someone, you know, something will come up or they have something else going on or something else like that. And, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's just I have to understand that I'm not their top priority. They're doing me a mm -hmm. favor. So sometimes it gets drawn out. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times it usually takes about two to three months of writing. And probably about four or five months of tracking down all the interviews and getting those done. And, and it's done throughout, you know, it's done along the way, you know, so to say. So like for these, for these episodes, uh, for example, we have coming out, uh, George Hoyce, Don Fry, Frank Shamrock, Dan Henderson, Anderson Silva. We've, we've spent since probably September tracking out the interviews and we're pretty much done with all of them now, but, uh, you know, we want to space out the release of them so that we can keep working ahead. And mm -hmm. I'm working on some other ones now that I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, but, um, but it usually takes, you know, probably four or five months to, to really track down the interviews that you need. And sometimes you, you don't even get all the ones you want. There are, yeah. there are, there are, there are, there are still a couple that I'm trying to get for the Anderson Silva and the, and the, and the Dan Henderson ones that, hopefully they come, but I'm not sure if they're going to. So, yeah. Um, and, and those will, those will be awesome too. I'm yeah. sure, you, you know, even, even without those interviews. So, so you write it and kind of storyboard it out, uh, for all the, you, you know, you have like your main points that you want to hit with the episode and then you kind of try to get sound bites from people that fit into that story. But uh, I'm sure as you're talking to people, you're adding stuff and, and taking things out and, and, you know, a lot of rearranging, there's definitely a lot of work, uh, that goes into it. I can't, I can't stress that enough that, that I was, it was blowing my mind when I was hearing how well the stories flow from the start of an episode to the end. Uh, Thanks, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking like, well, the most prep I do for a show is like, what am I going to drink today? Am I, do I want whiskey or <laughs> am I, yeah. I going to get a beer? <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, Oh, I forgot to pull up the card for today. Um, so yeah, definitely so much, so much respect for the work you guys do. And it's awesome. But, um, you, you know, to that point, um, since you have to storyboard it out and, and try and find those sound bites and, and, and then the sound bites you get have to fit in. Is there anything that you've gotten out of an interview, um, that you just couldn't fit into the episode because it didn't fit with the story you were trying to tell, but it was just like a really awesome, like anecdote or fact or something like that. Yeah, actually, you know, um, there are there's one episode that that we just released that's like a cutting room floor type of episode, and um, we're, we're gonna be releasing more of those. Like one was uh, with Mark Coleman, 
talking about Gary Goodridge, you know, big daddy, big, big daddy, Gary Goodridge, uh, uh-huh. you know, long time old, old school fighter. And, um, talking about how, how, uh, he, how, how Gary appeared on a Japanese game show and he beat 2000 contestants in arm wrestling in, in two hours. And, <laughs> and Gary Goodrich is like a world champion arm wrestler. And, and, and so they got him on the show and he went through 2000 guys. And it's, it's like, I didn't even, I didn't even know what to say, you know, like, it's just unbelievable, but it doesn't work for Coleman's story, you know, for Coleman's episode, but you know, it's still a great story. And, uh, there's, there's another one with, uh, uh, Igor Vobchanchin, Coleman talking about Igor Vobchanchin, uh, who's one of my favorite fighters of all time. Somebody who, who I, who I want to do an episode on at some point. I would um, look forward to that one. Oh man, he's awesome. But. But, you know, uh, just on a side note, Bob Chanchin is one of those guys who's like falling through the cracks that people nowadays don't even know who he is. Like that guy beat 37 people in a row in, in, in his prime. But, uh-huh. you know, not all of them were top guys because he's, he's back in the late 90s. But anyways, uh, he said of Bob Chanchin how, you know, Coleman beat him in the finals of the Pride uh, 2000 Grand Prix. Mm-hmm. and uh, said how when he met Bob Chanchin afterwards, he shook his hand and Bob Chanchin's hands were like twice as thick as Coleman's were. And yeah. how uh, he was uh, doing doing shots of whiskey or whatever with uh, Nick Nutter afterward, and how him and Nick became good buddies. Yeah. And uh, Nick Nutter was going to fight him, I think, in the Middle East, maybe Israel or something like that. I mm-hmm. can't remember where it was. Maybe 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 Dubai. But Coleman was training Nick Nutter, and uh, you know, getting him ready for the fight and everything. But Coleman couldn't go. So Coleman drives him out to the airport, takes him to it. And he's like, okay, like you're on your own now. Like, you know, good luck, bud. And Nutter's like, what, what are you talking about? You're not going with me? Like, 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 so, so he sent Nick Nutter off like by himself to like Israel to fight Igor Bob Chanchin. And, uh, you know, and, and he got, he got beaten up. He got knocked out or whatever. I can't remember what the result was, but then, uh, you know, Bob Chanchin and him became buddies, you know, and then. Coleman took Nutter with him to Japan and they be, you know, they're all buddies after that. But, you know, but there, there are lots of stories that come up that just don't really work for the episode that, you know, that end up, you know, uh, kind of like, you know, in like a vault, so to say, and we're going to uh, do a, do a Patreon where we're going to put all those in there. So, you can, so people can hear all those episodes and we're going to put um, all the full exclusive interviews in there because the, the episodes themselves, as you guys know, or just clips of like this part, that part along the way. Whereas, mm-hmm. whereas we're, we're going to put the, the full interviews, which I think some people probably want to hear, put, put, put the full interviews in there for people to hear for like a dollar a month or something like that. That's, that's awesome. That, that was actually another question I had for you is, is if you were going to release the raw interviews um, because yeah, it is, it is clipped up and it's clipped up very well, but I found myself a couple of times like, uh, you know, you would have like a little soundbite from John Danaher talking about GSP. And I was like, man, I would really love to hear like how the conversation led to that point and like how these pieces all came together. Um, but credit to you guys, man, because it, these stories are all so wild that that happened to these guys, especially these guys from back in pride. Um, you, you know, everything that was going on, they were going back and forth to Japan and like doing all this stuff and like, you know, sleeping on floors and uh, like all the partying yeah. and everything. Like there must be so many wild stories. It must be hard to like trim it back uh, enough to, to make an actual storyline uh, from start to finish. And that, that was the thing that impresses me the most with the, with the MMA true fan. I, I can't stress that enough. 
Well, thank, thank you. And, you know, you you hit that right in the head because that that is very challenging. It, it becomes a bit of a burden because you get all these stories and, you know, you, you don't you don't want to just throw it all against the wall and hope it sticks, you know, because mm-hmm. then it's, you know, that is very disjointed. And, it, you know, you got to have that kind of flow. Otherwise, it's like it, it just sounds unprofessional. It sounds, you know, amateur, amateur, amateurish. I'm sorry. Um, but it but it becomes a great challenge when you're trying to weed through all of these and mm-hmm. also have like hours and hours of like audio, you know, like, you know, like one of these interviews is typically like, you know, some are like only like 10 minutes, you know, depending on what it is, like, you know, like the Sean Shirk one with GSP, just talking about one fight pr- pretty quick and Frank Trigg and, you know, Shields were, was a, was a pretty quick interview for George. Some of them are quite long, you know, like the George was about 35, 40 minutes. Um, Phil Nurse was about an hour. So, you know, trying to trim these down because also like you saw with George, you know, they're like, George is two hours long and that could have easily become three hours long, but like, you know, yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't keep people on, on, uh, can't keep people engaged for three hours unless it's like really top of the line material. And, you know, we could have easily ballooned that out to something bigger, but we figure like people who really want to hear more can, can join us on Patreon and they can hear those full interviews and get more. So that's kind of the idea behind it. Definitely. And I think once people start hearing the episodes, they're going to want to hear more uh, because it, it, it's content that you can't really get in one place anywhere else. Um, and, and yeah, you could have definitely done three hours of the GSP and I, I would have sat through it. Uh, I was I was not getting a lot done at work because I started that thing. And I, was, <laughs> I just I found myself just spacing out like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Oh, 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 shit. The colitis and the in the uh yeah fight that, that was crazy well like uh you know like dan heard talking about the training for for bisping with, with that with, with like the blood everywhere like like i don't I, I don't think that that is out there yet like that kind of detail like you know we, we know he's had stomach problems and stuff like that but like but like how they thought he may have had stomach cancer and stuff like that i don't mm-hmm. i don't i don't think that's out there right now so you know there there is sometimes we we, we do break some stories you know like uh saint pierre talking about how to become the perfect nemesis with training with different people and stuff like that i mean mm-hmm. there's all sorts of different things in there like so, something you mentioned uh, a minute ago about saint pierre's wrestling ability and how it's amazing how he became such a great wrestler one of the things that's interesting is is his training regimen how how he focused so much how he, how he focused so much on the technique and and mm-hmm. drilling it the best way and being efficient as possible all the time. And uh there's actually like like a connection between that and Henderson because when it was focusing on was working on Dan Henderson, that'll probably come out maybe Christmas or January or so. Um how how Dan was not even the best wrestler in his family, how Dan's older brother, Tom Henderson, was thought to be the better wrestler, and he was bigger, stronger, better. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bob Anderson was Henderson's longtime coach. He said how Tom was the better wrestler when they went and uh, wrestled with people in Russia. His whole team, the, the the whole Jets team out of Southern California, went and wrestled with these guys in Russia. They all picked Tom Henderson as being the best one. Mm-hmm. That's that's because Dan was smaller and hadn't really grown yet, and he was you know kind of a, a late bloomer in that sense. Mm-hmm. But Bob said that when during his junior and fr- junior and senior year he got a lot bigger and he kind of blossomed as, as Tom's. We talked to Tom Henderson too. Tom said how Dan blossomed before his senior year. And because Dan was smaller, he had to focus on having 
you know, the best technique possible to compensate for his small size. Mm -hmm. So when he did get that big size and he had that good technique, now you have like an Olympic level wrestler. And that's kind of what happened with Dan. It's kind of a similar thing with what happened with George because George focused so, so greatly on that technique and trained for so long to develop that technique mm -hmm. that, you know, once he, once he finally put the pieces together, he was just like unstoppable, you know, and that's kind of kind of kind of similar story with Henderson too. just focusing on that technique. And then finally it just kind of came together for him, you know, and it's even more impressive that he did it without overexerting himself in training. Because if you ask any wrestler, right. how do you get better at wrestling? It's you have to overexert yourself every day, three times a day. <laughs> yeah. And that's the only way to do it. Um, but apparently, uh, you know, George proves that wrong. And I, I, I did remember hearing Danaher maybe talk about the colitis somewhere else because it sounded familiar, but he did uh, talk about it a little bit with a, with a, with a Rogan one time he talked about it on, uh, on, on his, on his stomach problems, you know, like, I mean, I have like watched all these things a million times, but, um, but, uh, when uh, he's talking about the blood and the, like the, and like the, the cancer scare, like that, that, that part, I, I don't think it's been out there yet. Yeah, so the only place you guys can hear that story is on the MMA True Fans podcast, and and get a couple of the other episodes under your belt before you uh, check out that GSP episode that debuts tomorrow. Correct? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Tomorrow, June eighth, it comes out. Awesome, awesome. That's exciting for you guys, and that that'll be that'll be good. But I I definitely encourage you guys to check out some of the earlier episodes just so you get a feel for how the shows flow. Um, before you like save that GSP episode, like build up to it. Um, <laughs> Jeff, you got any other questions for, for Nate here? No, I just, I appreciate it, dude. Like I loved listening to the Mark Coleman and the Kevin Randleman episodes. Um, yeah. I'm going to start on the Vanderlei Silva one later today, but yeah, just the production value and how you get, you know, everything flowing together and <clears throat> just different perspectives. Like I remember the Kevin Randleman one where like the one thing that everybody had in common is everybody talked about how nice Kevin Randleman was, how he was a joker. Like he'd tell people he was a year younger than he actually was or a year older. Um, I, I can't remember exactly, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah dude. Um, and going back to that jaw story, you know, uh, another thing that happened with Kevin Randleman was he asked his coach to punch him in the face to re to realign his jaw. I'm like, who does that? Yeah. You know? <laughs> uh, so, so I, you know, I, I love it. I really enjoy the show. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, thanks for having me on today. You know, it was great talking to you guys. I'd love to come back on and talk again, even if we're not talking about my show, just, just come on and talk about the fights, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We could have done a whole episode just talking about the true fan stuff. I feel like I feel like we could keep going and, and kind of go off the rails a little bit and talk about some old school MMA. Maybe we'll set up, you know, yeah. a separate, separate episode just to do that. Um, but I, I the main thing I wanted to get across is that um, if you guys listen to this show, you should check out MMA true fans because I, I really enjoyed it as an MMA true fan myself. Um, I want to talk what you about did there. I see what you did there. Huh? Perfect. Thank you. That's exactly. Yeah. I I am a dad. You know, I gotta keep I gotta keep it true to dad form. That's great. Um, I I do want to get into fight night one seventy two. A quick preview, Nate. If you have time to stick around, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah for sure. All right, let's do it. So, um, a lot of people complaining about the the main event. I don't really see why. I think it's a fun fight. Jessica I and Cynthia Calvillo. Um. I, I think this this will be a fun one. I know it doesn't have like the drawing power, but um, you know we went ten weeks without MMA. I don't see how anybody could complain about anything. Um, 
and I'm I'm really excited for a couple of the fights on this one. But uh, let's let's hear your take on this main event, Nate. Yeah, you know, I I mean, I totally agree. I mean, we're all complaining that we don't have fights, and now we have fights, and the fights aren't good enough. So I mean, I, I just I don't get it sometimes. You know, I mean, yes, yes, I've seen better, uh, more more exciting headlining fights. But I mean, I like I like Evil Eye and. And, uh, you know, like I think it's going to be a good fight. I think she's going to do well. I expect her to win. I mean, it's a fight. I mean, like, how do you complain about about, about getting a UFC? Would you rather there not be a, a fight next weekend? I mean, like, there were, you know, we, we win a couple weeks without well, having them in April, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, why would you complain about it? But, you know, I mean, I guess it's not good enough for some people. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, we are expecting to have some really good cards coming up in July. And, you know, so, I mean, there's it's not like this is the last UFC of the year, you know, I mean, yeah. there's, it's, it's just another weekend, you know, you got every big name fighter threatening to retire, or give up yeah. their right now. Uh, it, it almost <laughs> seems like they may have coordinated to do that. It's crazy. But, you know, uh, I don't, you know, I really don't blame them. I mean, like these guys, the guys should get paid more money. I mean, you know, I mean, when you, when you see Dana white and all respect in the world to Dana white, I mean, he's, he, he built this organization. He, he deserves to be very wealthy from it. This guy's walking around with like five, six hundred million dollars. Like he doesn't need that much money, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and it's not like he doesn't deserve it either. I, I mean, no, he does for the company, he, but he does deserve it. But I mean, like, but I mean, who, who, who deserves it more, the fighter or the promoter? You know, yeah. the promoter's always taking more, you know, and it's just, it's an, well, not so much in boxing, you know, like, like, like Bob, Bob Arum and Eddie Hearns, like, like they're not making more than those fighters. But Dana, but Dana, and you know the the executives of the UFC, they're making like tenfold more than the fighters. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, uh, it's, a, I, it's a very slippery slope. It is. It is. We we go a lot of different directions with yeah. it. Um, but yeah, I I like that. You know, they're possibly kind of coordinating to to try and get something done here instead of you know individually um jumping and screaming like i want a money fight i should be getting paid more it's like all right well why don't we just kind of like you know back alley this a little bit and we'll like you know get our thoughts together and and, and work together on something here i don't know that that's going on but i kind of get I that really don't know either. because it's a little it's a little too uh coincidental that that all these big names are are you know not wanting to fight especially with everything going on um but anyway, Jessica, I, Cynthia Calvillo, give me your thoughts, Jeff. Dude, I'm excited for this one. I don't know what anybody's complaining about. Uh, both of these girls are really well-rounded, but they each have, you know, uh, highlights in different areas. For example, I feel like Jessica I is definitely the better striker, but if it goes to the feet, uh, to the ground, I'm sorry, I think Cynthia Calvio is going to be a little bit more dominant there. Um, and, you know, this could shake up the women's flyweight division a little bit. Uh, it's been one of the divisions that's been a little bit more quiet. You know, I don't want the headlines to just be about Masvidal and um, Conor McGregor not wanting to fight. You know, I, I'm more focused on the fights themselves, which, you know, like you guys both said, uh, you know, we're getting spoiled here. You know, a lot of other sports are either um, non-existent or just starting to get back uh, into getting ready to continue their seasons, whereas, you know, the UFC is still going strong. So I, I love it. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. You know who the Yankees are playing next week? Yeah, nobody. nobody. 
Right. They're turning Yankee Stadium into a drive-in movie theater. Um, I, I do think it's a, <laughs> I do think it's a little odd that we have, a, you know, this main event here. Uh, Calvillo coming off that majority draw in a, in her last fight. Um, it, it's strange to have a fighter go from a draw uh, to a main event, but you know, here we are, and I I think there's a lot of really fun fights on this card. The one I'm most excited for is Ray Borg and Marab Dvalishvili. Um, I, I think Marab is, is just an absolute machine and, and knowing the guys up at law and hearing the, the stories of him in the gym, the, the guy just seems like indestructible and he's so relentless in there. I love the pace he puts on, um, and, and Ray Borg at 135 is, you know, he's a tough task for anybody. Um, you know, hopefully he makes weight, um, and, uh, you, you know, he faded a little bit in his last fight. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see him get in there uh, with a pretty quick turnaround against a guy in Marab who will not wilt. Um, you, you know, we saw him have trouble with Ricky Simone, who who has a, a very similar style. And and Ricky Simone even technically lost to Marab, uh, even though, he, you know, it, it was – that was that weird situation where Ricky Simone had the guillotine at the end. And then, um, Mark Goddard from the audience was like, he, he, he lost. <laughs> and, and then somehow Ricky Simone got the win there. Um, but that's a fun fight. And then the co-main event is really fun. Marvin Vittori and Carl Roberson, uh, you know, two, two big hitters, uh, who have some heat, you know, they almost got into it like a hotel lobby or something. Uh, a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but what excites you about this card, Nate? I mean, like Marab's just an animal, you know, like I, you know, that, that, that fight with Borg is going to be super exciting. And, uh, you know, like the, the, uh, the scrum in the, in the hotel lobby with a, with a, with a Roberson, you know, I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with that. You know, I mean, I think there was real emotion there. I think there's, there's real animosity. I don't think it's, you know, all for TV. I think, I, I I think these guys are really going to go in there and you know let the, let their emotions out. So you know when you when you look at the card overall, you you don't you don't have these huge names j- jumping off at you. But like people who know the sport know these are good fights. You know I mean mm-hmm. like 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 the, the matchmakers know what they're doing. Like like they're lining these people up, knowing that that they're going to be good fights. And that's all I care about. You know I mean like like last night wasn't the most um, amazing card on paper, but it was a great show. It was it was yeah. a great show. I mean, those those were all good fights last night. You know, I mean, I only saw the main card. Obviously, I watched the prelims today, but, but the main card, nothing to complain about there. Even that, even that decision with a uh, Magni and uh, Mor- Morris Morris, uh, no Martin. Even even with a Magni and Martin, like that, that was a good fight. You know, they were yeah. all good fights. So I mean, there's nothing to complain about with these two with these these two cards that have been so maligned. Both cards have been a bit maligned over the last month or so because coming off two forty nine. People think every car is going to be 249 now. It's just unrealistic. Yeah. Yeah. People tend to have unrealistic expectations, yeah. uh, not just for MMA, but in, in life. general. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think there's a lot of fun fights on this card. I'm, I'm excited. And plus it's free. So if you don't think it's good, then then don't watch it or do watch right. it. And it, even if it's not good, it didn't cost you anything. Right. Jeff, Jeff, what do you got uh, popping out to you on this uh, card here? Well, I'm excited for this uh, Marab Valshvili fight, man. Uh, like you said, he's a machine. He puts a pace on in there, and you know he can keep that pace for three rounds, dude. Um, I'm excited, and you know he's. Um, I don't know what it is, man, but these fighters from the country of Georgia—they're just tough dudes, man. They're they're built out of something else. 
Yeah, man. We're seeing a lot of, a lot of good fighters coming out of there lately. Um, tough, tough dudes. Uh, Nate, I think I, I cut you off real quick before I, uh, before I deferred over to Jeff. Oh, no, it's fine. It was nothing important. I, I'm, I'm just like out here rambling. So feel free to cut me off whenever you want. That's all. That's all I do. So <laughs> <laughs> you're on the right show, my friend. Yeah, it's perfect uh, for me. Yeah, a lot of a lot of fun fights. Uh, UFC Fight Night 172. That's going to be at the Apex as well. Um, it, I'm going to be watching it. Jeff's going to be watching it. Nate's going to be watching it. Uh, Nate, you got anything else you want to get off your chest and, uh, you know, let the people know where they can find your show and where they can contact you on social media and all that good stuff. Yeah. You can find us on Twitter at, at MMA true fan. Um, same with Facebook and, uh, Instagram. Um, you can find us on Apple podcasts, YouTube, all the major podcast apps. Uh, you can find us at MMA Um, we're going to be releasing, uh, George St. Pierre tomorrow. Hoist Gracie in August, Don Fry, Frank Shamrock, Dan Henderson, Henzo Gracie, Anderson Silva every other month. And um, look, look at some other episodes following that working on now. I don't I, I don't have those uh, solidified yet, so, so, so I can't you know, really talk about them because I don't want to talk about an episode coming and then not, not have it locked down yet. So, you know, it's kind of uh, bad luck in a way, so to say. But all, all of those episodes I just mentioned are all pretty much done. Uh, they're they're pretty much just, just waiting to get finalized. A couple of them aren't completely done, but you know, I, but we, we talked to Henderson and Anderson and Henzo and all those guys. And um, you know, like it's, it's funny because when I first talked to Henzo or when I was first talking about Henzo, um, I talked to George and uh, George was very forthcoming with Henzo. George called me right up to talk about Henzo. And I, I was just like, I was just stunned. Like, you know, I mean, like George St. Pierre is calling me to talk to me about Henzo, which is kind of crazy. Wow. You know what I mean? Like he's not, you know, he's usually someone that people have to track down and he was calling me up, you know, because I talked to someone who knows him, like, like a mutual friend between him and Henzo. And uh, I said, you know, do you think George might be able to talk? And he said, he's like, uh, you know, I'll ask him, you know. And so I had very, you know, lowered expectations, you know, and George called me right up. But about an hour later, you know, wow. happy to talk about Henzo. We talked to him for about half hour or so. And, I asked him if he'd talk about himself sometime. He said, yeah, and we just went from there. So it's just like, you know, just, and that, that's kind of how like a lot of them go is once, because like I never went like directly at George. It was just kind of those things where I'm talking to him. And once they see that you're doing honest work and they see you're out to do good work for them, then, you know, most people sign up for that. You know, it's, it's, uh, I kind of have a different, we kind of have like a different angle than, than, than many other outlets where, you know, we're creating tribute work for these people. So a lot of them want to want to be part of that. Like, who doesn't want someone to pay tribute to them? You know. Yeah, yeah. Whereas a lot of people doing interviews are trying to get you to talk shit about your former teammates. Or yeah. Like, so that's it. That's exactly it. Right. Right. They're trying to get you to stir the pot or something, and you know they don't want to do that. You know. But I mean, they'll talk about beating the shit out of this guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Uh, it, there, there's something about talking to fighters where you have to understand their psyche a little bit. Um, and, and a lot of people really miss that mark and then they don't understand why fighters don't want to talk to them anymore. Uh, but that's a whole other story. Uh, we'll talk about that next time. <laughs> yeah. We could do a whole separate segment on that. Um, but yeah, Henzo's another one of those guys like a Randleman where, where people are so quick to want to tell you what a great guy he is because yeah. He's a great guy. I've never heard anybody say a bad word about about Henzo, and that's really a rare thing uh, in this sport. 
because uh, you know I've I've been around the sport a long time. I've, I've trained at a lot of different gyms, and and people are always talking shit about something or somebody. And I've never heard a bad word about Henzo, and, and people are always quick to tell you how much they love him. Uh, he's just one of those guys that has like an electrifying personality. It makes you want to be around him. Um, but yeah. Uh, so Nate, I want to thank you for joining the show and talking MMA with us and, and giving us some insight and, and even some stories that don't appear on your podcast, the MMA true fan. I, I definitely encourage everybody to go and check it out. I loved it. Jeff loved it. If that's not enough for you guys to check it out, then I don't know what else to tell you. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on the show. I look forward to, uh, I look forward to coming on again, talking again sometime, you know, and, uh, it was a great, it was a great pleasure talking to you guys. I'm a big fan of the show and it's great, great to be on with you. Thank you. Thanks, Nate. Appreciate it. Uh, if you guys want to get a hold of Jeff, it's at animal underscore Wilson on Twitter and Instagram. You guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks everywhere. Uh, t-shirts are on sale. I almost forgot. Uh, you can, guys can see, check the link, uh, in the bio of my Instagram, or you can go to rip life one, uh, and check them out there. It's also the pinned tweet on Twitter. I believe I put the link right there. I try to make it easy for you guys, but you guys have been asking for the t-shirt. So they're here. So now you can get them. Uh, if you find yourself off and over the top and under the influence, um, then it's the perfect shirt for you. Uh, I don't even have one. Oh, I do. Here we go. I'm sure you guys have seen it now, but just happen to have one right here. Nice. You guys want to grab yourselves one? Uh, you know, go click the link and, and have fun and, and represent the show. We appreciate appreciate all the likes and shares and, and everything else and the feedback. Uh, let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>